Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of How to Make a Life. Uh, on today's edition, we have Karan Singh, the founder of Bigfoot Guitars, and we're going to be talking about custom guitars and the art of luthier. Karan, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here, Parag. And luthier, am I pronouncing that right? Yep, that's absolutely right. Awesome. Now, tell me how a custom guitar like Bigfoot is different from something off the shelf. Who is it for and what makes a person go, I think I need a custom guitar? Wow, uh, that's a lot of questions in one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so typically what tends to happen is, uh, especially in a place like India, we've got a number of uh, guitar stores. It's largely all mass-produced uh, instruments. Right. which are fine for a certain target audience. Um, very often, as players get more experienced, um, they start, they, their requirements change. Right. right? They, they're looking for uh, subtle changes in the instrument, whether it's to do with the thickness of your neck or the profile of the neck or the playability of the instrument. Right. And then, of course, the all-important tone. Um, what tends to happen in factories, for the most part, for the most part, is... They build to an average. Um, their requirements are a little bit different. When you're mass producing an item, the biggest concern is making something that sounds good, not okay. necessarily exceptional, and also ensuring that everything stays structurally sound. So because right. getting returns and exchanges are a big uh, detriment for them, right? Yeah. Because the factories are in other countries, and then right. for every exchange that happens, you lose money, and you basically have lost out on the value of that entire instrument. Right. right. As a result of that, the guitars that come in from most factories, at least in the mid-range segment, mid-price range segment, okay. um, they are overbuilt. They're built like tanks. Right. Right. They are they are too stiff, uh, which means that the soundboard does not move as much as required when the strings are strummed. The uh, instrument isn't as responsive as it should be. Right. And what that what that translates into is that the tone is not as pleasing to the ears as it ought to be. Okay. Right. Now, where luthiers come in is they take each piece of wood and they will push it to its limit, which right. means that the instrument is built on the verge of collapsing. Okay. Right. If if it's done right. Right. All right. <clears throat> right. So it's uh, it's built almost on the cusp of disaster. That's the standing joke in our community. Okay. And what that allows the instrument to do is really come alive when it's played, right? right? Because when you're handcrafting a guitar at at the level at which I try and operate, is okay. you're you're working, you're we're trying to target the best possible sound. That is the primary concern. Okay. Everything else takes a backseat. Right. So as a result of that, the instruments are more fragile, which means they need more looking after. Okay. But when tone is your concern, then you do everything you can to make sure that every little ounce, every last ounce is extracted from that particular instrument. Understood. Yeah. So I'm guessing these guitars don't go on tour as much. They, well, uh, there is a mix. They okay. do go on tour as well. It's just that when people are using these instruments, they just require a certain level of care, which you can't typically, which isn't really needed with uh, something that's a whole lot more affordable and mass produced. Right, uh -huh. Because they are more susceptible, these are more susceptible to changes in temperature, humidity, things right. like that. You can definitely still be played on stage and can be, you can travel with them. That's all right. You just have to be aware of how to take care of them. 
Right? Understood. The simplest, the, the simplest comparison is, you know, it's it's like buying a Lamborghini versus buying uh, a low-end sedan or right, something right. like that. Understood. Right. So right. The, both both vehicles will take you to your destination. Uh, you may enjoy one more. Right. Right. Uh, but the care and maintenance for one is going to be a whole lot different lot compared to the other. Understood. Yeah. That makes so sense. So that's those are a couple of the differences. I mean, there's a there's a lot more detail sure. we can get into, but that's that's right. a good starting point. Yeah. Now, can you walk me through the process of ordering one of your guitars? Like, what do the mandates look like? What? How do you understand what the client is looking for? And what are some of the common requests that you receive from clients? Sure. So uh, the process of ordering, the first thing that I do is I try and get an understanding of what style of music the musician plays. Okay. Yeah. I, I need to be on board with that. I also need to see whether the guitars that I build are in line, in sync with that. Okay. Right. I don't, I am not, uh, I'm not a one-stop shop in the sense that sure. I do not make a guitar to please everybody. You yeah. build everything. Um, th- that's a that's a bit of a losing battle because oh, what comes niche. to me, Matt. Yeah, my niche is building a fingerstyle player's guitar. Right. Right. Um, that's maybe seventy to eighty percent of my clientele is from that market. Right. Right. In the acoustic segment, okay. um, for strummers, for people who are playing bluegrass, the requirements are a bit different. So I occasionally do build those as well. But right. what I'm most known for would be fingerstyle instruments. Because the way I build is a more contemporary style of constructing the instrument. It isn't the traditional Martin or Gibson way of putting guitars together. All right. And what that translates into is a completely different tone. Okay. It's, uh, my instruments are extremely lightly built. The tops are thin. They're uh, they're braced differently. Okay. They are voiced differently. So you get a lot of harmonic overtones. You get a it's a very very quick attack which okay. is what fingerstyle players prefer. There's a lot of clarity between notes. You don't want okay. to hear any muddiness. Um, right. Because as people play fingerstyle, they want each note to sing out. Right. right. So you'll have tons of tons of sustain, tons of, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of dy- dynamic response that's coming right. out of the instrument. Understood. And it just feels lively. I don't know how, Got it's it. an experience. So when, you, right, when you're right. playing live, it's, you just feel everything... Uh, vibrating in a different way. Let me put it that I way. Think I, I think I get what you're talking about. Uh, I also want to go back to a couple of terms that you mentioned. Uh, bracing and voicing. What are these uh, What are these techniques or processes in the guitar building uh, in the whole process? Right. Uh, okay. So to put it very, very simply, the outside of an acoustic guitar will look pretty much the same across manufacturers and builders. Okay. Um, what distinguishes how a guitar sounds as compared to another guitar is what's going on inside of the top and the back. Okay. Right? So because the tops and backs are usually pretty thin, anywhere between you know two and three millimeters thick, um, to keep it structurally sound, they have wooden uh, wooden strips which are glued on to the inside. Okay. Those are called braces. Yeah. Right. So from a structural standpoint, it helps to keep the entire top together. And prevents it from uh, from um, getting destroyed under string tension because it, the strings exert a significant amount of tension on the top when they are tuned up to pitch. Is this right? like the canvas so, keys that you get to put into a painting to sort of tighten the canvas as it gets older to prevent it from sort of similar. collapsing? Yeah. Okay. 
similar, yes. Right. So structurally, it, keep, it keeps the, the overall structure of your instrument yeah. intact. But at the right. same time, if it's too stiff, right. then it prevents your top from acting as uh, or from vibrating. Right. right. Your right. top is basically like an air pump, which right. moves as you strum the strings. The top is going to really start from... moving. Right. Exactly. And the tighter your braces are, or the stiffer your braces are, the right. less that movement happens. Right. Now, the trade-off is that the stiffer it is, the more structurally sound your guitar is. Okay. Ah, right? All right. But, but it's not going to be ton uh, tonally as pleasing to listen to. So how do you find that balance? That's exactly it. So that's okay. the game. Okay. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll right? get to that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been about 10 years since you started as a luthier, and now your guitars are considered at par with among the best in the world, right? Uh, where do you... Where do you see most of your orders coming from in terms of geography? And how is word getting around to these people? Uh, currently, I would say about 70% of my orders come in from the West. Okay. Yeah, between North, North America and Europe All right. uh, are big markets for me. And a little bit in China as well, but mostly North America and Europe. Um, the remaining 30% are domestic. Okay. And we've there's a bunch of musicians here. The, the thing is, like, people have been, I think, looking for high-end instruments in India for a long time. Right. They haven't had access to a lot of high-end equipment over here because right. none of the stores keep anything that's not easy to sell. Right. So the minute sense. things get expensive, you know, it's just a business model. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so usually what ends, ends up happening is someone's coming in from abroad. So it's like, oh, can my uncle carry a guitar down right. for me? Can my brother bring something down for me? And that's all right. But the challenge with that is you're buying something that you've never played, you've never tried, you've never really, ah. uh, you're going on just YouTube clips for the right. most part. Right. Right. Now, the idea behind setting up uh, Bigfoot here was to give musicians in India access to something that is at par, like you said, with pretty much anything else around the world. Uh, while giving them the security of knowing that if anything goes wrong, we're right here. We'll take right. care of that, take care of maintenance, take care of repairs, take care of whatever issues you may have. Right. Right. It's homegrown. Um, I work a lot with domestic species of timber, so I, I like experimenting a lot with woods that are native to India, which right. have not been used on guitars in the past. Right. So they're not traditionally known as stone woods, but they work phenomenally well. Yes. So there's that aspect of it as well. Uh, as for how people get to how I spread the word, it's it's largely word of mouth. Okay. Um, it's the the market for high end acoustic guitars is fairly small in the sense that the community of buyers is there okay. wherever they are in the world. Right. A lot of them know each other already. Right. Yeah. And so they've got a couple of forums where they'll discuss these things, or just one will go to the other's house and be like, "You got to try this out." Uh, right. This is really cool, blah, blah, blah. So it, word gets around in that way. Okay. The other thing that helps is I, uh, in normal years, you know, 2020 being an exception, sure. I, I do a lot of guitar shows. Right. So there are uh, boutique handcrafted guitar shows that take place uh, right. around the world. So I go and take my instruments there and showcase them so people can get their hands on one, which is something okay. that's uh, difficult for them to do mostly because I'm based in India and they're not, right. they're really far off. <clears throat> so it, Instead of buying blind, they get a chance to come and try out and compare the guitars with a number of other builders who are also showcasing at the same right. place. Okay. And these are, you know, guys at the top of their game. So it's a, it's a good place to uh, to meet new potential clients. It's a good right. place to also meet builders 
and okay. uh, you know bounce off ideas of, of each other and see what they're doing what's new in the world it's just it, it's a great environment to be in because right. it helps me grow as well you know uh, and it also helps the clients so it's it's a win win the way i look right. at it now, that makes sense makes sense now uh, i i want to come back to the whole building process right can you tell us about the different steps and the techniques involved in making a guitar uh what are the some what are some of the skill sets that you sort of need to know and what do you do on your own and what are the kind of things that you can sort of get another person to do right when you can hire someone or outsource it well long story short is short story you <laughs> you you can <clears throat> you can uh, do every single step yourself i do okay. i do my my work myself i work alone i don't have okay. anyone else in wow. the workshop and okay. a lot of luthiers operate that way right i used to have apprentices who would help out with some of the rough dimensioning of the timber and a lot of sanding uh, okay. building a guitar involves a ridiculous amount of sanding so all right tasks like those they get uh, pretty boring pretty quickly right so but but they but they are essential to the entire process okay. so those are things that my apprentice used to help me with but okay. for the last 2 years i've been working alone and i actually find it more peaceful this way because i'm in okay. control of what the end product is and right. i'm uh, i'm doing things the way i want to do them okay so that kind of helps uh, in terms of the number of steps it's a lot of little steps man from sure. i i don't have pre made parts so pretty much everything from resawing logs of wood down right up till the time they become instruments a few years later right um, i take care of all of it in house okay right? so it it's you do need to know a fair amount of basic woodworking okay but along i mean apart from machinery use and hand tool use you need to have some serious attention to detail and that's something right. that just comes with time sure. Right. Right. It's not something that will land up in your first five or ten instruments that you make. And okay. with each guitar that goes out, I try and I'm always I'm always analyzing what could have been done differently. What do I like? What is it that I would like to play around with going forward, or what needs drastic changing? Right. So over the years, the number of drastic changes has reduced, and now it's just a lot of fine tuning. It's a lot more that, accurate. on the first go yeah uh, because now i'm also a lot clearer in my head initially it was just let's build a guitar right then right. it came into all right how do i make this sound good how do i make it look good how do right. i now introduce my my signature into it how do how do i distinguish it from the other million guitars that are out there right so that when someone sees one of my guitars he's like okay that's a big one okay you know now- You know, you you yeah. you've said how building a guitar is not about getting one or two things right, but it's about getting a million pieces right. But if you had to put it down, what are the one two things you absolutely cannot afford to get wrong when you're building a guitar? And feel free to be as abstract as you want. Uh, that's tough, man. I really don't know if I can pinpoint it to a couple of things. It's sure. just what tends to happen is it, to give a little background. It's you can make a guitar shaped object very easily okay okay so to have something that looks like a neat acoustic guitar is really sure. not complicated to do okay. to make that sound magical to make it play right. beautifully right is like i said earlier it's every every step of that process has to be just right because your margin for error when you're building is extremely extremely small 
Right. Uh, you don't have the luxury of saying, oh, this top got glued on three millimeters to one side, or the neck came off one degree to uh, on a with a tilt of one degree. Right. It just throws everything out of whack. Okay. So, uh, in terms of if I'm going to be abstract about sure. it, it's going to be one is the voicing for okay. sure, which is what controls the sound of your instrument, and the second I think would be the playability. All These right. two things are critical for a great sounding guitar. Okay. At the level at which I operate, I also have to take care of the aesthetics. That's the third right. thing. Because nobody yeah. who's paying high, uh, you know, high dollar value for an instrument is going to pick up an instrument which has a ding on it or has a scratch or it's not been buffed properly. If it's not absolutely shiny, if there's one little speck somewhere, I will hear about it. Right. The finish matter. Yeah. So absolutely. So these three things together are going to decide, you know, what whether that instrument is going to have a certain value in the market or not. Right. Got it. Yeah. Now, uh, you've, you, uh, I want to talk about the materials that you use, right? Uh, you try, you say, sure. you try not to use the traditional rosewood, mahogany, maple, and you like experimenting with, uh, you know, Indian hardwoods. And uh, yes. so one thing is the use of wood has remained constant since the birth of the guitar. Do you think this will uh -huh. ever change? Is that an ev evolution that we can expect to see sometime? Do you know of people using alternative materials? And yeah. I do know of people using alternative materials. I've tried several instruments that have been made with, you know, bodies of carbon fiber, for example, acoustic guitars right. made of carbon fiber. I've uh, played acoustic guitars made with hemp wood with, uh, uh, various other composite materials right and frankly i think wood is one of those things that gives the acoustic guitar a tone that is not that it's almost impossible to replicate using any composite right right uh, having said that i don't think to an extent okay uh, i'm generalizing here but the species of wood is not as critical to making a great sounding guitar Okay. Yeah. As it is, um, as it is when compared with a composite, right? right? There's a world of difference between a wooden acoustic and a composite bodied acoustic. They will just okay. sound like, the, for example, a carbon fiber guitar. I played several of them. To my ears, they just sound really tinny and harsh. They don't right. sound. They don't have that mellow sound that wood brings. That to warmth, it. right? Right. Yes. So there's a warmth to it. There's a responsiveness which I've, I'm still yet to hear. Maybe there are okay. some around the world. I'm not saying that there aren't. I haven't seen them. Or I haven't come across them yet. Within the wood species, yes, some will be marginally better than the others. Right. Uh, by and large, if you know what you're doing with a piece of wood, you can work with a number of species which are not your standard Indian rosewood or mahogany or maple and make something that is fabulous sounding. Right. The tough part, the tough part in this market segment, okay. in the high-end market segment, uh, the challenge is convincing clients because okay. what happens is when people have been collecting guitars for 20 years or playing right. guitars for 40 years or whatever it is, they have a very uh, fixed frame of reference for comparing what they are used to. Right? Okay. So if you come up there and say, oh, I've got some beautiful eucalyptus, would you like me to use that as the back right. and sides? I know that it will sound fabulous because I've built with it. Okay. Or someone who's sitting in the US who has never seen eucalyptus or played right. with it, they're going to be like, oh, no, can you just give me you know, Indian rosewood or Brazilian rosewood or whatever it is, because right. I know what those instruments sound like. So it's a safer bet, right. right? So that challenge sometimes, not sometimes, it's fairly often that challenge pops up. 
Right. And that's one of the things that going to shows helps with. So okay. when I'm at shows, I try consciously to take guitars which are made with non-traditional species, at least one. If I'm carrying two right. guitars, I'll make sure that at least one is completely out of the box. Right. So right. that folks get a chance to hear it and be like, all right, you know, this really sounds cool. And I never thought that this particular species could make an instrument that is worth playing. But there you go. Right. Right. So that's that's how it works. I mean, it's it's tough. In India, it's easier to convince people um, okay. because I think they are they are more open to what I have to offer. Once they visit the workshop, they get to meet right. me in person. We have a detailed chat. When you're talking to people online or via email, it's not as easy. Right. So I offer both options. It's not that I don't make guitars with rosewood and uh, mahogany. I do. It's just sure. that I'll always try and first get people to experiment. Right. And if if I find that they're absolutely against it, then the regular options are always there. We're not they're not going anywhere. All right. And if budget, time constraints, or sourcing wasn't an issue, what's the perfect guitar that you'd build? In terms of materials, in terms of the in wood? terms of anything, in terms of anything, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm still, uh, I'm still learning, and I, okay. I think I'm, I think I'm going to going to be for the rest of my career doing this. It's just I get excited every single time I string up an instrument. Right. So I've built, you know, two days I've built maybe about seventy-five acoustic guitars, and I'm still just as excited when I put the strings on on the final stages as I was with the first one. It's it's this sense of wonder that my God, I've actually put this damn thing together, and it's right. uh, it's actually musical, and it's actually beautiful to look at, and it's actually playable. All of them together, I would, you know, give it. I'm a sucker for uh, non-regular woods, like I mentioned. Right. So I have a soft spot for purple heart, which is a wood that comes from South America, and okay. it's just naturally purple in color. Wow, uh, that's that's just what it is. I really like that. Uh, I think it's a, it's a lovely sounding wood. It's a lovely looking wood right. for the back and sides. Um, paired with a nice spruce top, that would probably be something that I would make for myself. Okay. And I did once, and then uh, right. two days after it was built, somebody walked in and bought it. Oh. So I haven't got around to repeating the process, but I will right. as and when I get time now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, uh, you, you make everything from acoustic steel string guitars to electrics and even mandolins, right? Uh, but your focus is really steel string guitars finger style, for fingerstyle artists. Now, how did you arrive at that forte, right? How did you decide that was your thing? And how does the complexity of building that differ from the complexity of, say, building an electric guitar? Okay. So, yes, I build a wide variety of instruments. Uh, minus the mandolin, that was a one-off thing for a friend of mine. I don't okay. build mandolins, okay. uh, just simply because my workshop is not equipped for each instrument that I make. There's a right. several, there's several fixtures and things that I need, and I'm not getting into mandolins. It's a whole different world. Um, but having said that's out of the way now. Um, I think in terms of complexity, I find personally that building an electric guitar is a whole lot easier. Okay. I think it doesn't take a it doesn't take as much time. B, uh, I have more freedom in terms of the kind of wood that I'm working with, the kind of shape that I'm working right. with. There's there's a lot more leeway um, Is it in terms it's a of solid designing. Block? It's because it's a solid block. As long as 
you know it's a it's a fairly good quality tone wood it's right. well dried and it's aesthetically appealing the options are endless as far right. as electric guitars go okay the electronics themselves do the heavy lifting okay. right so the challenge is finding a good source for electronics uh we've we use pickups by a company in the UK called Benacle okay. uh, which is pretty popular and they make very very good quality stuff and now more recently we started uh, making pickups in house so i've got an okay. electronics whiz who uh, works oh. with me he handles our repair division his name is brigo cool. so he's now uh, just as of i think 2 months ago he's created his own pickup winding machine and he's been playing around with a lot of prototypes so this year we'll be launching our own pickups as well right. which is great because that gives us the freedom to play around with the actual tone calibration Okay. Right. So if someone wants some more vintage sound, we can wind it a particular way. You want something for death metal, we can do it. You know, it's not a problem because now we are in control of that process. Right. 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 So it's interesting. So, uh, yeah. So with electric, you're saying the uh, it's more about getting the electronics right as well. Yeah. That's my take on it. Okay. I can. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm opening a can of worms when I say this because there will be enough and more people who will come down very hard sure. on this statement. it's not that the wood is not important but i think the electronics are more important god let me put it that way right? i've played i've played electric guitars made of plexiglass and yes. uh so having said that they don't sound exactly like ones made out of wood but they're okay. not bad as long right. as they are well as long as someone has thought through it and equipped them the right way right 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 so for every great instrument you'll also have 10 which look the same but sound like crap right. uh, but that that's the difference between someone who's thought through the entire process right, right? the wood is one part of the puzzle and then everything else that you assemble it has to come together like you said so a million things have work, to work that's the guitar man and right. for from an acoustic or acoustic guitars i think the process is a lot more uh it's a lot more detailed it's a lot more in my opinion complicated okay and i think it takes it takes a deeper level of understanding from a craftsmanship standpoint okay okay um again i'm generalizing because in the electric world you know it's right. more delicate and everything that you do on an acoustic is going to impact the sound of that guitar right every single step you take on an electric may or may not impact the overall sound got it got it which so is why a... you see electrics in a million different shapes and sizes right. it works you can make it work on an acoustic you're playing around if i decide one fine day to expand the width by 2 inches it's not just a shape thing it's going to change the entire dynamic right. because the the volume of air inside that guitar body changes and mm. it's going to affect my bass response it's going to affect my treble response and it's going to affect the overall balance of that instrument right okay right so so there's a lot more at stake when you're messing around with the internals of an acoustic fair enough fair enough now You know, so if you don't know what you're doing you're in trouble yeah <laughs> so uh, i want to come back to uh, the whole event side of it right you uh, met your mentor jason costal at uh, the holy grail guitar show in berlin now uh, that's right and these are uh, trade shows trade shows i'd imagine where a lot of builders like yourself come together uh, exchange notes and talk about what you're building and show off what you've been building right but what else happens at these events Uh, what are the other kind of people in the ecosystem and uh, do you think we could ever see something like that being hosted in india at some point in the near future wow 
Uh, well, the shows are, like you said, it's, it's like a trade show. So trade shows are typically more, um, they're slightly bigger than the kind of shows that I exhibit my work at yeah. in the sense that it would be, you know, there'd be big brands coming in. They would have massive booths. So Fender, Gibson, right. amplifier manufacturers, whatever yeah. it is. And they would, it's, it's, uh, that's a, that's like a massive, uh, it's almost like a carnival, but for music right. related stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, the kind of shows that I participate at are also big. I mean, there would be maybe anywhere from a hundred to 150 luthiers each. Okay. All of us get a table. We, uh, we've got a couple of big halls, which are just filled up with tables and we exhibit right. our guitars there. The idea behind these kind of shows is for people to walk in and get a chance to meet the builder. Right. Right. Because these are builders coming in from all over the world okay. and it's almost impossible to catch anyone in person. Right. Right. Because these guys have wait periods of five years, six years for an wow. instrument. Um, What's the wait period on yours? Currently, it's about a year and a half. Okay. Um, and it's just one of those things where, you know, a lot of builders don't allow visitors into their workshops as well, simply because it's a, Fair it's enough. not because they don't like meeting people, but it's just, it's a time suck. So right. when, yeah. if I get a visitor, even with the best of intentions, it's like I've lost out on more than half a day of getting any work done. Makes sense. And every week, just me and I'm sitting in India over here, every week I'll get about six or seven emails saying, can I come visit? Can I come visit? Right. Now the challenge becomes now I, I, how to deal with that in a polite manner without upsetting somebody, but at right. the same time trying to make them understand that I, I can't be socializing uh, throughout. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right. So that, that's, that's why it's difficult for people to meet in person. And so these shows are great because they insist that the builder is there. You can't send a representative to showcase right. your work. Yeah. And so people come and they have a chat and it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a nice community, you know, over there. Right. Along with the actual show, invariably it's preceded by a couple of days of uh, like a mini conference of sorts for okay. the builders. Right. A lot of sessions. So we sit and, and have, yeah, you got sessions yeah. and presentations and one will talk about how his approach to building. One will talk about uh, new species of wood that they've discovered. One will talk about how to deal with emerging markets in certain right. parts of the world. You know, so it's just about helping that community of builders grow and say, how do we make life better for everybody around? Right, right, by right. adding the, whatever we can, you know, one will be sharing uh, funny stories about their interactions with clients or whatever right. it is. It's just, it's a nice way of people to interact and not only be thinking about selling right. uh, because during the exhibition, everybody's just like, okay, client, let me find someone to sell a guitar to or get an order. Right. It's so about the craft. that works. Yeah. It's about the craft. And then in the evenings, you've got dinners, you'll do a barbecue, right. just uh, informally hang out. All right. Right, because even between the builders, even between the builders, we don't get to hang out. You know, right. everyone's just busy yeah. building. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a nice platform. It just kind of brings everybody together. As for doing something like this in India, I think we are still quite a ways off. I have okay. thought about it in the past several times, but I think we're a, quite a long way off from there because for people to, it's not about organizing the event. The event can be organized. That's easy enough. Right. It's about getting potential buyers in there, right. people who are willing to spend that kind of money um, just on the spot or right. place an Getting order on the in. spot. Yeah. yeah, because for each or any builder to come in for a show, you're going to be spending a few thousand dollars just to get there, rent a table, exhibit right. your work. Not to mention that you're going to build a couple of guitars and put them up for sale. So that's also time, right. and okay. uh, you know, it's 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 cost 
there's a lot of cost involved right. in that and knowing not knowing whether there's a buyer for it or not right so keeping those things in mind it could work in india it's not that people don't have the money it's uh, they need to have the willingness to come in there and say all right i'm on board let me buy right. it and i i think over the years that has improved definitely since i started out at least in the past decade right uh, the number of folks willing to invest in a high end instrument has dramatically increased and i think okay. that's great i think it's absolutely great because it's a it's a tool at the end of the day you know right. it's a, it's a tool for a musician and if you have a good tool at your disposal you're more likely to use it yes you're more likely to compose on it you're more likely to pick it up off that wall or take it out of its case and do something with it as yeah. opposed to buying one guitar which you're buying because you're like okay i'm on a budget so let me buy this and then in two years you're looking to sell it then you buy another one then into and you get into that loop of right buying right. and selling buying and selling and you spend most of your life doing that and in the long run you spend a lot more money than you would have just buying a damn good guitar to begin with right right okay. because these are these are heirloom instruments you take care of them they will last you your lifetime you know they go down huh. to your children okay so yes it's expensive but you're looking at it over a much longer time period right. than you are a yamaha or you know whatever or any, any other commercial brand exactly right. okay exactly okay. now uh, you uh, a couple of years after you began you apprenticed with uh, a couple of luthiers in different countries right you were with paul doyle in ireland for a bit Jeffrey Young in yes. Malaysia and uh, you know you mentioned how you still like to take a few weeks off and talk to other builders and uh, exchange uh, share build philosophies so what is a build philosophy uh, what is your build philosophy and how has it evolved since you began okay so when i talk about build philosophies i think it's more in terms of let me back up one step sorry sure. when builders normally start out and they go and hang out with senior builders the conversations are more about how do you do this right how do you do that okay. how do you do this inlay how do you attach the neck in this particular way or how do you do your fretwork how do you get this finish on your instrument right. which is all very critical because you do need to know the how Those in order to build a few guitars and get right. them out in the market because yeah. if it's a business for you you need to sell guitars at the end of the day right once once you've done that part of it right once once that part is over and done with the more interesting part becomes for me the more interesting mm-hmm. bit becomes about why are you doing this okay great so, you've got this bracing layout it's very beautiful why right. okay um your tops are invariably one and a half times thicker than the next person why right. um your instruments have a sound hole and they've got a sound port why you've mm. incorporated certain elements in your instrument which are not what most people do why right, right. and then you have discussions regarding that it's not a, there's no right or wrong because every builder is going to follow his own chain of thought and work with what he or she thinks is best obviously because the right. idea is to do whatever you can to yeah. improve yourself and also to try and stand out from the other builders who are in the market yeah right and and everyone has a different approach to it right some some people like to add more and more elements into an instrument okay where the mindset is the more i offer the better value a client may see and i imagine some people are minimalist on the other opposite yeah, end of the spectrum so, uh, 
exactly so right. i when i when i initially started out i tried for a short period of time to add a bunch of things onto my instruments okay and because at that point i felt like okay this is a good way to go because i've got this i've got that i've got a sound port i've got an arm bevel i've got a number of inlay things going on on the instrument and they look beautiful and they'll sound great right as i build more and more every passing year i try and remove something from it okay from that equation okay right. unless there is a specific requirement for a client and the guys like i need these three things right uh, that's a separate case but by and large i will you know each year try and just see okay can i get, can i do away with this particular element and right. still have a guitar that sounds really great and still looks elegant and still does what it needs to do while right. adding overall aesthetic and playability value to it right right so over the years my designs i think have simplified in terms okay. of uh, the kind of inlay work it's not that there isn't there is inlay work there mm-hmm. are certain elements which are very clearly my signature elements on the instrument but at the same time i'm trying to do more with less okay so yeah so folks will come to me saying can you inlay mother of pearl all over the fretboard can you put in abalone shell here and there and i don't i don't do those things i prefer to i prefer to keep it simple okay yeah i want my i want my guitar to do the talking fair enough and and what what would you say is your signature like how would i how would one recognize a bigfoot guitar uh the most standard the the standout bit would be the rosette okay. if you what? take a look at the sound holes of my instruments right. um, you'll notice there's a it's the my stand by default setting is an ebony ring with stone inlay in it and it's it's a design that i have not seen anywhere else it's a right. design that i think is simple but elegant and i think it okay. brings in a little bit of india into the element into the aesthetic of the right. instrument right right and it works uh, for me i i i'm happy with it 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 came about as a result of just fooling around on a piece of paper many okay. years ago and uh, my wife was helping me out with it at the time and we said let's let's go ahead and try this out and i liked how it came out and then i just kind of refined it a little bit from there right and then gradually now i've added similar elements to the headstock and to the end graft which is uh, if your guitar had a jack being plugged in sure. at the at the butt of the guitar yeah. so i do a similar inlay over there as well so it kind of ties in the aesthetic of the instrument without okay. being too in your face understood yeah so okay. it's not blingy but it's it's there understood yeah got it yeah uh, now as a luthier you're always in search of the perfect tone right and this is subjective i feel and it changes from person to person how do you know when you've achieved perfect tone for someone else uh what are the things that have to go right to get there and what is the whole calibration process like do you uh is the tone set f- right from the beginning when you plan it out or is it something that develops as you keep as you get go through the build process uh okay this is a slightly more complicated one because there's varying levels to it Okay. Right. The way I approach it is, my guitars have a sound. Yeah, um, there is a certain tone that my instruments have that attract people to it. Okay. If you're a musician who likes the sound of my instruments as a starting okay. point, that's your okay. that's like a that's a base starting point, right? right? From there, I have the ability to 
control or vary things a little bit up or down. Okay. Okay. I don't have an EQ setting where someone says, can you make the bass sure. more and the treble less or the treble higher and the bass less? I don't. They're not knobs okay. that I'm turning over there. Right. right. It's a system and that system works in a particular way. Okay. So if someone likes the traditional vintage Martin sound, okay. I can't offer it to them. Right. Okay. Because that's not what my guitars sound like. And if okay. I promise that to a client, I'm not doing them any favors. Right. Because I'm going to go through six months and build the damn thing and they're going to get the guitar and say, this does not sound like a vintage Martin to me. Right, right. right? There are mm-hmm. other builders who do that. So I usually just recommend them and say, why don't you reach out to so-and-so in the US or wherever else and you'll, you'll be happier. Right. Because the last thing I want is someone who is not on the same page as me in terms of what I provide and what they're expecting. The right. two things have to match. Right. right. So for me, I think varying tone controlling tone can be done to an extent in the sense if someone says i don't want a super bass heavy instrument i can help balance out the the overall tone right. that's possible okay um, but i can't i can't simulate the sound of another guitar All i can't right. do that right okay and why would you you're a because custom guitar that's that's exactly it right and there are there are ways to do it it's not that it can't be done there are ways to do it, but those are mastered by people who've been doing that their entire career. Right. For me, when I start, I'm not thinking about another person's instrument in my mind because that, right. it doesn't help me. Right. Because I don't know what that person was thinking when they built that guitar. Makes sense. I don't know what their bracing layout is. And I, frankly, I don't care. Right. It may be a beautiful sounding guitar. Don't get right. me wrong. Sure. It's not that I don't appreciate it. It's, I appreciate it. It's just, it's not my thing. Right. Right. Got it. So I'm here to provide an instrument that sounds like a Bigfoot, not right. one that sounds like another builder. I can't do that. That's fair, man. Right. Yeah. So right. I, I work from there. And then, like I said, little things, if someone comes and says, okay, can, I'm not too fond of harsh trebles. Sure. Then I can do things to lo- loosen up the top a little bit so that it, I've got a better bass, a lower end response. Right. Right. Or I've got ways to make the treble sound a little fatter instead right. of sounding harsh and tinny. Right. So those are minor variations, but they are minor. They are minor. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah. you know, there seem to be about maybe eight to 10 serious luthiers in the country, right? And do, yeah. you, do you think there's... Uh, do you think there's a demand for custom guitars? Is it growing? Uh, where are you hearing about the demand? And uh, if someone wants to get started building guitars, how do they go about it? Uh, there is a demand for sure. And mm-hmm. over the past eight, 10 years, it has increased quite significantly, as I okay. mentioned earlier, because I think folks are realizing the value in getting something that is made for them. Okay. Something that is made to a certain standard and to a quality which you won't typically find in the store. Right. Um, I think in terms of, I mean, going forward, that's only going to increase. That yeah. is one part of it. That's my understanding of the market. And uh, this past year, not included because everything's sure. just gone topsy-turvy. But yeah. by and large, it has, it's definitely been moving upwards because when I started out, there was literally no market for custom guitars. And we were trying to create a market. Yeah. So from given what it was 10 years ago, it's definitely, definitely improved. 
I think in terms of people who are looking to start off uh, in India, there's not a lot of options to study okay. instrument making. Like I teach a course once a year or twice a year, depending on my schedule. If I've got some sure. free time, I teach students how to build an acoustic um, or an electric. There's a friend of mine in Bombay, Audi, Audi D'Souza. Right. He's, I think he also teaches um, electric making, if I'm not mistaken. And But apart from that, I really don't know of anyone who teaches or okay. who has currently reached a stage where they can teach. Let me right. also say that. Sure. Right? There are some great... Uh, I mean, there's some new builders who are coming up and they're doing a great job. They've uh, started off recently and they're doing really, really beautiful work. And it's lovely to see it because right. it's not, it's not a, it's not a factor of competition or anything. I think it's just right. great that the more builders there are, the more our community grows and the right. more the market develops. Yeah. And I think it's about time that people started taking this as a serious craft, right. you know. In India, guitar making all these years has been largely relegated to parts of uh, South India and parts of Kolkata. And it's been mostly, mostly it's just been the lowest end instruments possible. How can I sell a guitar for 2000 rupees? How can I sell a guitar for 2500 rupees? And as a result, you end up making something based on the selling price versus making something that is of quality. Right. Right. And... I think that's changing now, which is lovely. People are trying to do new work. People are trying to do interesting work. And some of them are already doing a great job. Some of them may need a few more years to get there, but it's a, it's a positive direction of growth. And clearly it's, clearly it's motivating them because there are, there's a market for it because people are buying. Right. Right. So that encourages them to then build more. Okay. So it's not that people, the earlier the thinking was that no one has the money to spend on guitars. It's not true. People have the money. Right. And you just have to give them something that they see as a value proposition. Right. right? You have to give them something that they want. Fair enough. So, so in that sense, I think it's a, it's a good direction that the market is heading in in, in India. Okay. So uh, currently you work alone and mostly. And uh, do you plan on ever getting into mass production or maybe putting out a line just for, uh, you know, uh, something to keep on the, uh, that goes off the shelf? Uh, and, or do you just want to keep continuing to do what you do right now? Uh, it's, it's a, it's a conundrum. It's something that I've been thinking about for a while. I don't think I have the desire to set up a mass production unit. All right. I think if I ever do something which is off the shelf, it would be in the electric line Okay. because those are easier for me to build in a batch and. Right. Put them out there if right. there are retailers interested. Um, I'm in talks with a couple of stores around the country. Right. And if that works out, then that is something that may happen. It's okay. Nothing has been decided yet. But with the acoustics, I don't think it makes sense, honestly, because I think my uh, the fun of coming to someone like me is to get a piece that is right. made to your specs. Yeah. Now, if I've already built a guitar and if it works for you, that's brilliant. Right. If it doesn't work for you, then, you know, right. it's, Makes what's sense. the point? Yeah. Then it's no yeah. different from having any other guitar hanging in that shop. Right. It may sound great, but if it doesn't feel right for you, then that, it's a wasted effort. Yeah. So I would much rather build based on my conversations with the client. Because if I don't have, it, I, I go through several rounds of very in-depth conversations. And if that doesn't happen, I don't know what I'm doing. 
I mean, I can build a guitar, but then I don't know how it's going to suit you. Yeah. And that's the important part. Okay. Yeah. Now, uh, Karan, before we close out for today, I want to hear a story from you. Uh, it's about the kind of uh, some of the people that have bought your guitar right now. One of them is Amrit Gond. He's a finger style uh, artist from the UK and he's a two-time Grammy winner. He uses one of your guitars. And uh, something that really caught my eye is Bob Weir, founding member of the Grateful Dead. Uh, he supposedly owns one of your guitars. Uh, and as a bit of a uh, deadhead myself, if you'll indulge me, um, how did he hear of you? How did he reach out to you? How did he convey what he wanted? And what is the kind of guitar that you finally ended up building for him? Okay. So with uh, Bob Weir, it wasn't, it wasn't a commission piece in that okay. sense. So what happened was I, where was this? I think it was around 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I was in Canada for a guitar show. Right. And I'd, I'd taken a couple of instruments over there. And uh, a friend of mine reached out to me. Uh, he was a senior of mine from school days. Right. right? And he had, uh, I think, seen some pictures of me exhibiting at the show. And right. he wanted to have a chat. And at that time... He said, you know, I've got a friend who's into guitars and plays this, that, the other. And uh, would you be interested in, uh, you know, showing, sending a guitar across so that I can, right. you know, maybe show it in case he's interested. So I said, okay. And then turns out that he started a business venture with Bob there. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if that's still on, but at the time it was. And so I, I shipped this out. And the next thing I know is a few days later, I got a photograph of Bob with with the instrument and I was like, you've got to be kidding me, dude. Like I really did. <laughs> this is not what I was expecting. And uh, yeah, so he liked the instrument. And uh, so it went from there, man. It wasn't like he didn't come down and see the sure. show or anything. So okay. I still haven't met him in person. All right. But that's how he ended up with one of my guitars. He still has it. It's his, I mean, he's uh, decided to hang on to it. All so right. that instrument is with him. Um, with Amrit Sond, uh, he is, He's a gem of a guy, man. Right. I met him at a show in the UK a few years okay. ago, and he was introduced to me through Jason. He, uh, he's known Jason Costel for a while. Okay. And so he came down and met me at uh, at a show I was doing in London, and he played one of my instruments and was just he he thoroughly enjoyed it. So on the spot, he was like, "I need you to build me something. It's going right. to be a tribute to my late to my late mum." She's the one who encouraged me on my musical journey and got me okay. into playing guitar growing up. So it was a it was a very very emotional build for okay. him because it right. it had a lot of little elements built in which were tributes to his mother, right. and uh, that went off really thing. well. So, uh, right. It was an extremely personal thing. So he received that last summer, and now we're currently building a second one for oh, him. Wow. He's now on uh, the next one is current. I've just started it last week, in fact. So that's going to be ready later this year. Awesome. Yeah. Let's, let, let's hope he uh, wins another Grammy with that guitar. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Karan, thank you so much for taking the time out to do this. Uh, you know, thank you for just laying out the whole scenario and sharing what you do and how you do it. So thanks again, Karan. Awesome. Well, thank you. It was good fun chatting with you and some interesting questions over there. So yeah. thank you. You've clearly done some research before starting the session so i appreciate that thank you man all right take care Carl. yeah